Welcome to Against the Grain, a podcast for natural products trailblazers. Join New Hope Network and Gianuzzi Lewenden as they explore how to stay ahead of the trend curve in the ever-changing world of natural products. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, whenever you're listening to this. I'm Jessica Rubino, Executive Director of Content at New Hope Network. For this episode of Against the Grain with Gianuzzi Lewenden, I'm talking to Blake Horn and Ryan Lewenden, partners at New York-based law firm Gianuzzi Lewenden. Ryan, Blake, thanks so much for joining us today. Jessica, thanks so much for having us. We're really pumped to be here. Yes, and we were chatting earlier that it's been about a year since we talked trends in the natural products industry, and what better time to do that than just a couple weeks out from Expo West. How excited are you guys for Anaheim? Very excited. I think uh, after a little bit of a taste of normality back in September at East, we're we're very excited and and eager to uh, get out to Anaheim this year. Yeah, I mean, Expo Expo East was great. Uh, honestly, I think the um, the Philadelphia location is going to be really awesome for the next years to come. Uh, I think it's a big improvement. Um, and, you know, just from everybody I've spoken to, it, it feels like and sounds like Expo West is going to be huge this year. Um, everybody I know is planning on going. Um, they're planning on showing up. Everybody's excited. Everybody's been waiting for this opportunity to get together again. And... Um, I just, yeah, I just absolutely can't wait to see everybody and say hi to everybody and give them a hug and um, and see what's going on in the natural products industry. Yeah, well, I thought I couldn't get any more excited, but you just made me more excited for the reunion that will be Expo West. So a lot has happened in the past couple of years, so we'll definitely have a ton to see and observe on the show floor. Let's just start with kind of a broad view of the natural products industry. What issues or movements do you think have created the most disruption in today's CPG industry? Yeah, look, I got to say, I mean, especially in the recent years, everything with sort of direct-to-consumer and digitally native brands, um, I've just seen that create a lot of disruption, you know, up and down the chain, right? Whether it's from, you know, the investors who are investing in these brands, where the money's going. Um, You know, in the past, you would see a brand that didn't have a presence in, you know, a retail, a strong retail presence, wasn't really thought of as a brand. Right. It wasn't really seen as having staying power if, you know, they didn't have a customer that was a big retailer. Um, today, you're seeing people really see brands as a, and recognize brands that are mostly digitally native. Um, you know, whether it's a company that you know has a hybrid approach like a Vital Proteins or a company that's got you know, a, a huge Amazon business like um, like a Mary Ruth's Organics or, or a company like Cost. You know, these are brands that are getting funded and sort of recognized as real brands, even though, you know, they're, 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 the majority of their sales are direct to consumer or Amazon or online. Um, you're seeing a lot of investors get in there. You're seeing a lot of the supply chain sort of move from um, just a, a in-person meeting type of, type of business to a digitally native one to ones where, you know, you're communicating across people with, you know, video and whatnot. Um, and I think that just really changed the landscape of not only how how we build brands, how we finance brands, but then how consumers are sort of interacting with brands. Yeah, I think I think that's a, a great point, Ryan. And and so much of it seems to be tied to 
new platforms that are coming out, new ways for consumers to interact with brands and whether that's TikTok blowing up and, and becoming such a such a uh, key way for brands to interact with with their consumers or or whether it's new discovery platforms or curated ex shopping experiences like you know uh, a snack magic or foxtrot or, or, or all of these other platforms that are are popping up and and so i see i see that uh you know technology aspect to the industry becoming you know really rapidly uh, uh changing the way that that the uh you know interaction across the the industry was happening yeah, I mean, you're seeing companies, honestly, the marketing in terms of sort of, you know, DTC has, has especially in the past couple of years, has really, really changed. Um, you know, you're seeing a lot of brands that are navigating it well. They're embracing stuff like TikTok. They're embracing, you know, um, they're embracing like strategies like creating limited drops in limited areas, motivating their sort of customers by either text message or TikTok or digital and sort of finding ways to communicate with those customers, um, you know, that's not at a point of sale, right? That's not a retail shelf point of sale. They're finding ways to create that point of sale. They're finding ways to communicate with their customers. Um, and, you know, some brands, you know, brands like Nectar Hard Seltzer um, have really built these followings completely off these new types of, uh, off these new types of interactions. And then you find, um, like Blake mentioned Foxtrot, but you also have like GoPuff, and in some of these cities, you know, you have those really sort of fast delivery services like a Joker um, that, you know, are finding ways, finding ways for customers to discover these new brands, but also without leaving their home, but also to sort of get that product in their hand in, you know, 15 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever it is. So from discovery to sort of, um, you know, the, the part where you try it, it, it's really, really narrow and short. And people that have sort of been leveraging these new types of methods to consume you know, connect with their consumers, you've really, really, really seen them sort of build that brand acceptance really well in the past couple of years. Yeah, it's so interesting. And I think you're spot on with these new technologies, but also services that are enabling both like really quick discovery and getting the product in consumers' hands almost instantly. It's kind of remarkable. Along those lines that you were talking about with the marketing strategies and some of the really innovative things that you're seeing from brands, what are some of the brand needs that have emerged over the past couple of years to be successful in this rapidly changing environment? Yeah, I mean, one of them is certainly, you know, and I know a lot of the founders I work with are, are dealing with this and navigating this, is sort of building these remote teams, right? Building a brand, um, advancing a brand, improving on a brand remote, right? And, you know, some people have had growing pains with that. Some people have done very well at that. I mean, quite honestly, a lot of the a lot of the younger people that I've I've been dealing with that have started brands, they seem pretty natural at it. Um, but you know, finding a way to sort of keep company culture, finding a way to sort of have that interaction amongst the team to define that, to define your brand strategy, but all from a remote location. Um, I know that's something that people didn't have to do in the past, but now they all have to do very well. Yeah, I'd, I'd add to that uh, consumer education, I think, has always been a, uh, a difficult part of, of starting a new brand. And I think over the last couple of years, especially when, when people were not really going to 
uh, stores to find new products, finding ways to actually educate consumers about a new brand without doing sampling and, and things like that. And I've seen that and heard about that still being something that is evolving right now. And, and I think the, the way that consumers are interacting with brands like we were talking about earlier uh, just seemed a little bit different than it did a couple of years ago. And so I think there's, there's uh, you know, that has changed quite a bit. And I think it's going to continue to change in terms of, you know, how, how do consumers want to learn about new products? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, especially the discovery phase, right? Um, you know, where people are, I mean, certainly the past two years, sampling wasn't something that you could readily do in order to sort of educate someone on your product. Um, and, you know, nowadays people are maybe a little more reticent to engage in that as well. And it's how do you educate someone on your product before they had an opportunity to try it? Um, and how do you sort of bring consumers to have interest in your product? Um, you know, a lot of that has gone digital. A lot of that has gone sort of, and like Blake was saying before, a lot of that has gone into building out platforms, right? Platforms of interest or education and adding a lot more about your brand. Like your brand might have a certain proposition, but educating people and talking about and getting involved in sort of the broader um, issues that your brand plays in um, you've seen a lot more of that as a way to sort of bring consumers in, get them interested about their product and get them interested about trying it where they might not necessarily be able to reach out, you know, with their hand and grab it off the shelf. Yeah, definitely. And one of the things that I'm excited about too, is kind of rethinking who the target customer is and all of the opportunities to expand the reach of your product and company through these different platforms and through being able to align with kind of bigger topics and educate. So lots of rich takeaways there. We'll actually be digging into some of these topics in Natural Products Business School in um, Natural Products Expo Virtual in April. So I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about trends. You guys are deep in the trend space and always seeing so many new great products and companies. As we head into Expo West, what are some of the industry trends that are on your radar? Well, look, one that I think has been coming for a while is, you know, function geared towards mental health. There's been a lot of function geared towards, you know, better for your body uh, for years and years. Over the past couple of years, you've really started to see additional function geared towards better for your mind. Um, you know, and I really, I really like that. I, I think that I'm very, very interested in seeing those trends. I'm very, very interested. Obviously, it's something us as a society, we've put more emphasis for the better, I think, on sort of mental health, mental balance, and just awareness about, you know, issues about that and how your body connects to your mind and and how you can help play a role in that. But, you know, seeing offerings out there, whether it's sort of functional offerings meant to help you make calm, meant to help you get better sleep, meant to help you sort of deal with anxiety, meant to help you deal with just the, just the general stressors of the world. I mean, you've seen that Recess was probably one of the first brands in there that, you know, with the CBD offerings, the magnesium offerings, has been uh, building a platform based on sort of mental health, mental calm, mental clarity. Um, you know, and I think that's, first of all, it's an underserved portion of our sort of category still. I think it's an important one. I think it's one that people are seeking for. Um, and I think it's something that, you know, while for years we were not conditioned to sort of put any emphasis on that, right? It was, you know, the work hard, play hard sort of cycle didn't really put any emphasis on rest or relaxation or recovery. 
Um, now there is. And I think that as a trend is going to be a big trend. I think there's going to be a lot of interest there and a lot of sort of attention there um, over the next couple of years. Yeah, I, th I think I think Ryan really nailed it. And and what's what's really cool is it it, it seemed to have uh, you know a couple of years ago with CBD really hit a stride, and and now you're seeing products that are are kind of exploring the efficacy of of a much wider range of. Uh, you know, natural types of ingredients, and you've been seeing products with, you know, they use kava and, and things like that, that, you know, you, you, you were not seeing in, in ready to drink or ready to eat products. And, and frankly, some of these things are very difficult to actually make taste good. And I think so it, it's really been uh, interesting seeing how this, this, you know, trend that that kind of started picking up steam a couple of years ago is now really, really blowing up and, and I think Ryan said it very well, which is it's it's uh, it's something that's really important and I think it's it's a, a great focus for the industry to have. I think the other thing I've been seeing seeing is is uh, sustainable supply chain mission focused brands and I feel like the last couple of years that that was top of people's mind and, and it's really good to see that a lot of brands are starting to act on that or make that their focus. I've been you know seeing seeing many of our clients uh, Converting to public benefit corporations and and really making that a a authentic focus of their brand and and that's really great to see and I think we're going to be seeing a lot more of that in, in the coming years. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like you know, I mean, better for the planet in addition to better for you, I think is something that's sort of become table stakes for a lot of brands. Um, and I think it's a positive thing, right? I mean, you know, people are looking at not not just the way you make it in your supply chain, but also your packaging, right? Um, people are moving away from single-use plastic. They're moving away from sort of processes where there's more waste. They're moving away from um, supply chain supply chain issues where there's sort of more harm to the animals or, or first treatment of the animals. Um, you know, and, and we're looking at that from a, from a you know, a top-down standpoint, right? I mean, McDonald's is dealing with... Uh, you know, activist investors who want to improve the way uh, pork is treated, right, in their process. Um, you know, all the way down to sort of moving into uh, recyclable and aluminum bottles of water and cans, um, which, all of which I think is super positive. I think it's something consumers are looking for and now brands are very aware of that um, it just can't be better for you. It needs to be better for the planet as well. And and I, I think that's a great trend, a positive trend. And I think it's one that will certainly continue and will drive a lot of innovation um, up and down the sort of supply chain, especially in the packaging world, um, how we can put these products in a less waste um, packaging and how we can sort of put products out there in a way that it's easier to recycle bowl and, and does less harm to the plant overall. Well, I cannot agree more. I'm so glad you two pointed out what I think are two of the most meaningful trends that we're seeing. And it's it's hard to even call them trends, right? Because they are these bigger movements that I think will become increasingly ingrained in who we are as a natural products industry, which is really, really exciting. And they also speak to this sort of new wave of innovation and rethinking innovation. I want to touch on that a little bit. What are you seeing in terms of this this, the face of innovation in 2022, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, look, innovation in food, I, 
I think we're entering into this area where there's an extreme innovation in food. And, and a lot of that is sort of pushed by some of these macro trends that you're looking at, right? I mean, look, when, when we talk about alternative, the alternative issue in food, I mean, plant-based or sort of lab-grown alternative foods is something that's absolutely exploded in the past years. Um, not only from you know a standpoint of where the science is and where the techniques are, but also where you've seen the money. Um, and people are, are driving money into sort of meat alternatives or milk alternatives or organic or um, alternatives into, um, and they're refining processes and they're increasing the sort of bandwidth to do so. Um, and, and that's a very technical side. And then also, you know, we talked about, you know, just from a marketing standpoint, I mean, there's a lot of innovation there, right? Like you're seeing people be very, very creative in the way the product gets out there because we're building these bigger platforming brands. I mean, what Liquid Death has done in terms of their marketing and, you know, making a horror movie about it and sort of being very cheeky and tongue in cheek and, and thinking about all these extraneous ways to get the product out there. Uh, even what I've seen Olipop be doing in terms of their marketing, you see people be very, very much thinking outside the box in terms of how they're educating their consumer, how they're getting their consumer's attention and how they're keeping it. Um, yeah, and I, and I just think these are two areas that are sort of have really exploded as there's more offerings from both, um, you know, a supply chain standpoint, but also from a consumer connection standpoint, you're going to keep seeing those go more and more. I think we're just entering into this area of like deep innovation in food. Yeah, I think the 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 consumer experience and the brands as as more than just a product, as something that's more integrated in people's life and experience, and and so I think we're gonna we're gonna keep seeing that, and I think that means that brands have to think outside the box and and beyond what might have worked you know, a couple of years ago, and and really try to. Uh, innovate in a way that is is in touch with the rapidly uh, expanding universe and and you know beyond. And I think that's that is uh, you know to me that that's innovation. How how does your brand go from just beyond the shelf to you know fitting into this broader consumer experience that is that is changing rapidly? Yeah, and look from a lawyer's standpoint, it obviously keeps things interesting because we're not rehashing the sort of old routes to market. We're not sort of rehashing the old, you know, all the same tried and true things. Um, you know, what's great about sort of practicing in this industry is that it is evolving and it is changing. You know, um, you know, if you're a commercial real estate lawyer, you're kind of working over the same issues over and over again. For this, there's sort of new items and new matters of sort of first impression are happening every day. Um, and it's just a great, it's just a great place to be in, in living in today. So I don't know if you want to put on your lawyer hat or your consumer hat or some both. You can wear both hats. What are you most excited to see at the show? What do you hope you see a lot of on the show floor? It's a good question. Um, I mean, look, I think we touched on this before. I, I think the better for the planet stuff and the more the focus on that is great. Um, I love to see sort of packaging innovation where we're sort of working at a macro level to reduce waste and to reduce like landfill. Um, I hope and I, and I expect to see that, you know, a lot more while I'm walking the shows, but um, very much looking forward to seeing 
um, some offerings that I that I didn't know about yet or, or that the angles that people are approaching us on. I, I, I same. I'm I'm very excited to just see what is out there that I haven't seen yet, and that that's always been such a uh, you know the fundamental reason to to go to to these events. And I think again with with Expo East last year, it was just a really great feeling to be back in that experience of of finding new products and meeting new people. And I think uh, I'm just very excited for that experience. Uh, I guess for on a on a you know personal level, or the types of products that that I like, I you know I'm excited to see what people can do in terms of uh, simple ingredients. I think that uh, you see a lot of products nowadays that have a very very long ingredient panel, and I think for you know there's there's lots of good reasons for that, whether it's functionality, whether it's just you know making the product taste good, but uh, I've, I've also been really impressed with, with some products that have found a way to uh, make a product taste really good and have a simple ingredient panel. And, and so, you know, personally, some, some of the, you know, some of the natural sweeteners and things like that don't necessarily agree with me. So I'm, I'm always excited by, by seeing the ways people find to you know, get around that problem. Because I think, I think for a lot of people, they, they have the same, same problem. Well, I'm right there with you, Blake. I'm really excited to see companies that celebrate real whole ingredients. And I do feel in uh, in many ways, we are moving kind of far from that. And I think there's good reasons as you listed some of them. And there's also good reason to kind of get back to basics and really embrace uh, the essence of the natural products industry as well. And I'm really excited to see the people behind the brands. That's my favorite part of Expo is being able to really understand who stands behind these brands and what they stand for. So that's very exciting. The flip side of this, what is one trend, ingredient, product type that you like would be happy if you never had to see again? Hmm. <laughs> I, look, I, I, I guess for me, you know, maybe the sort of, you know, random celebrity sponsored sort of product, I think, you know, there was probably a school of thought a couple of years ago that if you wanted to put a product to make it successful, you just put any celebrity with it and, um, you know, and, and that would make it work. And, and I obviously think that's sort of gone by the wayside and not, not to say all celebrity backed brands and products uh, I'm not interested in. I, I think the ones where there's an authentic connection with the celebrity I, or the, or the talent. And I think there's one where the, the talent is like, actually integrally involved in the brand, I think those work and they resonate. You know, like we saw Jessica Alba with the Honest Company and, and she was at Expo West a few years ago. She's working behind the booth and talking to customers and all that stuff. That, that worked. Or when you had Kobe Bryant in Body Armor and he was an investor, but he was also on the board, you know, and he was also going to um, distributor meetings to do pitches on the product. Or he was really involved in it. That resonated and, and people can tell that now. Um, you know, just just where you have a sort of random celebrity that's signed up for some equity and, you know, maybe you never hear him post about it or talk about it and there's no natural and intuitive connection or mission behind the mission. Um, that's something I could probably do without. I'd say uh, pro products that um, unless they have some some really, really incredible functionality products that just don't taste 
that good. I think there's 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 some of those out there, and and everybody's working on it, and uh, everybody's experimenting with the ways to either mask certain ingredients or or whatever else. Uh, but I think I think that the the brands that go out to Expo and 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 have maybe gone too far down the road and and don't want to go back to formulation and and retinkering things. I think it's you, you have to take a step back and you have to really you really have, really have to believe and and uh, you know get feedback from your consumers and and apply that feedback and and so uh, you know I hope I hope everything tastes good. I mean, you know, definitely better for your products and natural products and all. They've definitely been getting better better tasting and better tasting and better tasting over time. Um, I think I look. I think that I agree with Blake. Like. You know, people want function, they want health, but they also want it to taste good now. And they've come to expect that. And I think that is sort of table stakes for your product these days. It's got to be tasty. It's got to be appealable. Um, people will try anything once, but, you know, they're not going to try something over and over again unless unless they actually enjoy it. So outside of making a product that doesn't taste like you know what, what is your, let's end with a little bit of advice. You guys really help build brands and help brands find success and do such an amazing job with that. What is one piece of advice that you would give CPG companies in 2022, not just at Expo, but beyond? Look, look I'd say um, for, for a young company, Find your fan base early, early on, and don't try to be everything to everybody. You know, the brands that have sort of built recently and been successful is they found their rabid fan base. You know, they found that group of people who absolutely love and support and champion your brand and tap into that. Focus on doing that first before anything else. Focus on doing that before getting to Whole Foods or Target or Walmart or going national or anything. Find your rabid fan base and, and practice and tinker and, you know, adjust until you find those people. Because, you know, the comp certainly companies have succeeded without doing that first, but the companies that have done it really, really well have all done that first, have all tapped into that first and then grown from there. Yeah, I think that I think that's a great, uh, a great insight. And so to follow on to that, I would say look at the ways that other brands have done that successfully. And even though those brands might be a totally different type of product and have a totally different type of uh, consumer base, I think if you if you pay attention to what other brands are doing and what they've been successful at and, and try to figure out why, I think that's one of the best ways that you can then turn around and, and look inward and, and figure out, you know, how to do what, what Ryan was just talking about. And and I think that that involves getting out there and meeting as many people as possible and, and going to the trade shows when you can and, and really trying to pay attention to those trends. And, and that's not just speaking to other founders, it's speaking to service providers, it's speaking to consumers. And I think when you take all of that together, it actually uh, makes you realize what an important event Expo West is because that you know that that allows you to uh, do all those things and, and I think that's that's really crucial for new brands. 
Well, Ryan, Blake, thank you so much. It's always really a lot of fun to talk to you and so many great insights shared today. We can't wait to see you in Anaheim. And thanks everyone for listening to today's episode. And we will talk to you both and see you both very soon. Jessica, thanks for the time. Great speaking to you too. And uh, can't wait to see you at Expo. Looking forward to it, Jessica. Thank you so much. Thank you.